Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. Oh, it's damn true indeed. We do not suck the Piffles podcast episode 191. We are your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us. As you heard earlier, that was Kurt Angle, the Olympic gold medalist with a broken freaking neck, Kurt Angle. I'm Alex. I'm Steve. And I bring the intensity and the intelligence and the integrity. One out of three ain't bad. Do you? Do you, though? I don't know which one you think I have. That's even better. <laughs> well, you can figure it out, and at the end of the show, you can uh, let me know what you think it is, and I'll tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> Give us a follow on Twitter, at PifflesPod. You can follow me, at RealAlexD. Uh, you can find me, at Safamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows, at Greg on Sports. Piffles Podcast brought to you by our good friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Make sure you check them out, especially when you're heading to the game next week. Home opener against Hamilton. Let's jump into it, boys. We have lots to talk about. Time for the opening kickoff. Okay, so first off, we actually have to explain this Kurt Angle thing. So for the very few handful of people that were actually at the preseason game, on Tuesday night against the Bombers. Still more than you people know, last... watch Game Plus. <laughs> We're going that route already. You chose violence, Greg. I do. That's my default setting. So the the last couple of years, whenever the opponent would come out and, and was introduced, they would play Experience Regina. Experience Regina. Yeah. Wow, it's so early for you to sing. This is great. Actually, two years you... ago, it was a Spanish flea. Because all I could all I could ever think of was Homer sing, sing, uh, sitting in his car singing a uh, little Spanish flea. Yeah, that's true. You realize so, people usually tune out when you start singing, so you've already lost them thirty seconds into our episode. Thanks for that. Yeah. They got to hear Kurt Angle. They, they, people are gonna shut it off after that anyway. It's Probably. all downhill from here. Yeah. So, Kurt Angle. When the Bombers came out, they played Kurt Angle's theme song. And of course, anybody who watched wrestling back when Kurt Angle was a thing back in the early, late nineties, early two thousands. There was the tradition of chanting, you suck, when uh, his entrance theme came on. So for the less than 3,000 people that were at Mosaic Stadium on Tuesday for the preseason game, Steve, I saw you chanting. I was, uh, you, were, <laughs> you were right into that. So I- hopefully this is something that takes off next week when the Riders season opener comes uh, against Hamilton. Could you imagine 30,000 plus people chanting, you suck in unison as Hamilton comes out? Oh, and I'm not even a big wrestling fan, but I think that would be amazing. I think if if they do it, I think it will catch on and it'll be fun. It'll be a lot. It won't take long for it to catch on because there's going to be the people that just start doing it that know the, you know the reference there well it's catchy that's why it's and that's why it caught on in wrestling it's super catchy yeah 
even if you don't want to, or you have no idea what it is, you're just going to hear other people do it. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you suck. And it's going to be great. So my only fear is that the riders give up after a few weeks because it doesn't catch on right away. It might take a couple of games, but I think once it goes, Oh, Liberty is going to be nuts. It'll be fantastic. Oh, if we have it in, in sync for, for Labor Day and everybody's doing it. Oh, yes, please. Perfection. Perfection. Chef's kiss. So good job for the riders for, uh, for doing that. And hopefully it, uh, it works out. Um, well, let's talk about that preseason game. Riders losing 25 to 16 in a game that was three, nothing near the end of the third quarter. God, off. that might've been the worst preseason game I've ever seen up until about the final, what, eight, nine minutes of the fourth. I mean, we can dwell on cares. what we saw, like whatever. The only thing I'll say about the game is like in the first half, good on the Riders defense for stopping Winnipeg on the goal line, essentially three times in a row, but whatever preseason don't really care. It was backups against backups and it sure looked like it. Well, it was backups in KSB. Like he was out there way too much. I am sorry. Like he goes down. We're already short. And we're going to talk about it in a bit. We're already down a Canadian starter. What happens if you lose him? Like he's our, our starting Canadian receiver. We, we might have to go with two. Like he, he was out there way too much for my liking. At least the fourth quarter was, uh, entertaining going back and forth with touchdowns going. I actually liked what I saw out of the, uh, the riders there in the fourth quarter with, uh, you know, Jake Dolagala, Mason Fine showing that they can, uh, take command of the offense and march them down the field a little bit. And uh, a couple of really nice touchdown catches, uh, Jester Wea with, uh, with a really nice one in coverage. And Emilis, how do you say his last name? Emilis. Emilis. I almost want to say Emilio, but yeah, uh, Emilis, like he looked really good too. He's he's what I I think the riders were hoping Terrell Jana was going to be before he retired. I he didn't look out of place as a rookie, as a pure rookie anyway. You know what? Coming out of that game, considering we didn't we knew we weren't going to see any starters other than KSB, I'm suddenly very confident about, about that entire receiving core. Because those are the guys that are going to be your fourth or fifth receiver at best. The guys that are holding out a spot until Karan Moore comes back. And they looked they looked solid in their first game action. That's uh, that's good news. And you mentioned Kyron Moore being out. Hopefully, maybe Labor Day-ish, somewhere around there is when we can uh, possibly see, see him return from his uh, torn ACL. Um, but I'm well, curious about that other import or the other American uh, receiving spot because you have Duke Williams, you have Shaq Evans, guaranteed. You're going to have KSB. You're probably going to have Justin McInnes as a starter as well. So that kind of leaves one more open spot there for likely an American this upcoming game against BC. We'll talk about this in a little bit is uh, they're going to have Jacob crawl with the, uh, with the start there, number 84. Um, if he can take that job and, and run with it, then and we're going to talk about it in just a couple seconds, cutting Paul McRoberts. That decision was even easier. That decision was made the moment that ball went through his hands, through his hands. He he said like he was uh, setting up a spike in volleyball. Like yeah. that, that interception was a hundred percent on him. That was terrible. Hit him right in the hands. When you're, when you're on to your third season or your third training camp and, uh, and you're still fighting to make the roster, you basically have to play perfect football in the, in the opportunities you get. And I, I mean, we've all talked about the obsession with Paul McRoberts over the years or year. I've, I, I get it, but I don't, he's one of those guys. He was like uh, Terrence Nunn back in, 
uh, in the early 2000s with that, uh, you know, that guy that just was great until the lights came on. Well, and that's what I was about to say. He's we've all played sports. We've all played with that uh, person who's really good in practice. But the minute it was actual game time, they just couldn't get out of their own way and get in their own head and just couldn't perform. And that's what seems to be Paul McRoberts problem. And he was given many chances with all the injuries over the last couple of years to receivers. And he just couldn't figure it out. He couldn't, he got beat out by Ricardo Lewis who ended up getting cut later anyway, because he wasn't any good. So, I mean, the writing was on the wall. I would have been absolutely shocked if they kept Paul McRoberts this year. So with what we saw out of uh, a couple of the young receivers, especially in the fourth quarter of that preseason game, I'm not surprised at all that Paul McRoberts is gone because at this point you might as well go with a young guy in his first year, as opposed to a guy, like you said, Steve, third year who's still fighting for a roster spot. You should, if you don't have that spot locked up, a starting spot locked up in your third year as an American receiver, there's no use keeping you around. I'm curious if somebody will give him a shot elsewhere in the CFL just because of the name, because he's built a name somehow over the last couple of years. I disagree. I think he only has with Ryder fans. Think so? Yeah. He's, he's got no film. Like he literally has no true <laughs> film. I remember that what I was a play right in front of our seats and it literally hit him in the numbers and fell. It should have been a touchdown and he couldn't catch it. Like I, I, like I said, I don't know what, how he even lasted that long after Ricardo Lewis knocked him off the roster. It made no sense. So anyway, going back to this game here, did anybody really wow you to, earn a roster spot because we see guys show up in the preseason have good games and then you never hear from again they get cut because i mean it's second third and fourth stringers against third and fourth stringers so did anybody really step up to you in this game that uh, you're like ooh, you know what i think that guy might have a legitimate shot here i think the obvious one is uh, is frankie hickson i mean he he took his opportunity and sorry for making the joke but he ran with it I mean, he averaged almost eight yards a carry, didn't look out of place in blocking in a spot where we don't have an established starter yet in one of the few competition spots, both him and uh, Morrow did what they needed to do to be a one-two punch all season. And Steve already has his jersey in his cart. It's ready. We'll see how he does in the uh, the second preseason game. The minute he broke I'm, up, I'm the, actually, I, I tweeted I'm, it out. The minute he broke up a few runs, I'm like, Steve's going to buy his jersey. I'm seriously considering it. I, I, eventually, one of these running backs has to be more like the, the Corey Sheets or Kenton Keith purchases that I made, and less like the Corey Williams and Keith Toaston purchases, right? Like, eventually, I have to get one right again. Oh yeah, Hickson looked great, and I think he's got good potential to take over as a starter for Morrow. Uh, over Morrow, even if we run platoon, which seems to be the uh, way most teams run these days. Uh, like I said, I liked Emilis. He looked, he didn't look like a rookie. Like he played like a pro and I think he's going to be a, a good surprise this year. You know who I really liked is uh, Riley Borsma, the Riders eighth round oh, pick. From he did look right too, yes. Now he does have a couple years of eligibility left. So I imagine they're going to let him go back or he's going to go back and finish school and then come back, which ultimately I think is the right thing just in terms of, of progression, but he showed that he has what it takes. I mean, he'll, he'll need some time, obviously some grooming, but I thought he looked not too bad. And I think this is, that could be an absolute steal in a couple of years, even if he ends up being, you know, a rotational guy in the, in the receiving core, if you can get that out of, out of an eighth round pick, who's also a local guy, 
that's a steal for me. So I actually really like what he showed there. If you can get a guy who plays more than a couple of special teams plays for an eighth round pick, you've made a steal, let alone a guy who didn't look out of place at all on a CFL field. And we can bring back the hair force. What a flow. And he's got the mustache and everything too. Like, yes, let's, let's go here, Riley. All right. Well, the easiest part of any coach's job came up and that is the cuts while he didn't cut everybody. He did cut a lot of them. He did like their hustle. He did say that first though. Yeah. <laughs> so um, D lineman, Benjamin Davis, defensive back, Steven Denmark, defensive back, Vincent Dettier. Uh, he was the guy who got absolutely lit up on that long touchdown. Um, we mentioned Paul McRoberts, uh, defensive back, Josh nurse, defensive back, Will Sutherland, defensive back, Levanta Taylor. Um, and then the other two names that we've kind of heard a little bit about before, obviously offensive lineman, Canadian Maurice Simba, they Rafiki'd his ass out of here. You know, I, I thought with his size, he had the potential to be the king of pride rock, but he looked a lot more like Simba running out of the, out of the gorge after killing Mufasa. Well, he actually released a statement today. I would like to read it. Uh, from the moment he arrived on the riders, stepped up blinking out into the sun. There's more to be seen that can ever be seen. More to be done that can ever be done. Far too much to take in here. More to find that can ever be found. But with the sun rolling high in the Saskatchewan sky, keep the great small on the endless round. It's the circle of life. And it moves us all. And I, I think I can all say, uh, it's great to see an athlete have such a great uh, grasp of words. Rumor has it that when uh, Craig Dickinson brought him in, he said, okay, you know, hand me your playbook. We're going to release you. He just said, Hakuna Matata. I, actually, I thought he would have said, be prepared. All of, all of these jokes have made it just that little bit sadder that he got cut because I wanted a whole season's worth of nothing but Lion King puns. I am glad, though, that we got them all out in like a 90-second stretch. <laughs> but damn, they would have been fun all year long. Especially if we would have beaten the Lions. I bet. I bet. Like I said, I think he's a Chris Jones player. Like he is huge. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the, on the Elks. And uh, speaking of somebody who was with the Elks before, quarterback Troy Williams also cut. Um, Craig Dickinson actually said it uh, to the media on Thursday that you know he was number four. We probably weren't going to be playing him much on Friday anyway, so we might as well just get rid of him now. And uh, instead of keeping him on and you know, frustrating a guy by not even giving him a chance on Friday's preseason game. So I'm a little bit surprised on that one only because the Riders have been keeping four quarterbacks on the roster for the most part. And they'll probably keep one on the practice roster, I think, this year. But Greg, you said before we started recording that now yeah, they'll probably just bring in another guy for the for the PR. And if that guy doesn't show up, then you can always give Troy Williams a call back. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a couple arms, try them out and throw the best one on the practice roster. And yeah, Charlie Williams is only a phone call away. They, they know what they know what they got with him. So let's try someone maybe a little bit younger, a little less wear and put them with the B team. And honestly, neither Daligala nor fine looked out of place. They look, they looked like they could command a CFL field in time. I don't think they're guys that we want to see out there as a full-time starter anytime soon. But they both looked like they have something to to offer this league in the future. So it made no it made sense to keep them around and and watch uh, and walk Troy Williams out the door. I don't know. Dalagala did that uh, blind turn that Cody likes to do. So I think he looked <laughs> just uh, he fit right in. 
<laughs> and uh, one more thing here on the open kickoff I want to get to is uh, Micah Tights. Now, we haven't seen him in trading camp lately. He's kind of battling a, a groin injury, hip injury, I think it was. Um, he sounds like he's going to be out for quite a while. He's on the six-game list already. Um, there's one Canadian starter down. So what do you do with your Canadian starters? Because when you look at this team, you have your three interior linemen with Logan Furland, Dan Clark, and Evan Johnson. Now you also have Key and Schaefer Baker. You have Mike Adam at safety. Now you start having options. Let's say that they do go with two receivers and it's going to be Justin McInnes. There's your sixth. Where is the seventh Canadian starter going to come from? Is it going to be potentially um, Campbell at right tackle? Because he's still in a battle. Craig Dickinson said it's kind of up in the air. They still don't have that right tackle spot figured out. So maybe it goes to the Canadian there and that's your, you know, your final ratio spot. Is it someone like a Nelson Lacombo or someone else that can Godfrey on who can play the, you know, a cornerback or, or a linebacker position. So I'm curious where they go with this. If I had to bet my money is on Campbell, but I'm probably guessing they're going to, uh, platoon uh Lacombo and Onyeka uh just to be on the safe side and whoever whoever's playing best goes in that spot because yeah right now without tights that kind of kills you but you're also running probably the best linebacking core in the CFL right now so while it hurts it doesn't hurt if you know what I mean I, I think Campbell makes the most sense if he's in the middle of a competition if there's not an American guy that's outright taken that spot from him why would you not go with the the Canadian? You got the passport. You need the spot. He, he's the most likely uh, to guy guy to take that seventh spot, in my opinion. And of course, he's battling against uh, Natai Rogers for that right tackle spot. Taron Vaughn's back, and he seems to be healthy, which is great because there's your left tackle, which is which was a, a problem last year yes, yes, with uh, Lauderdale and uh, whoever else was out there. Like it was just bad. It was a so. Yeah, Getting Taron Vaughn back there is a huge confidence booster. And even if it gives Cody Fajardo that extra, even less than half a second, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in football, that is a lot. Uh, just to get rid of the ball, it allows him to throw the ball a little bit more accurately. Maybe those deep passes aren't rushed and uh, he can hit them. So having Taron Vaughn back is absolutely huge for the riders. There's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. We're going to go back. There you go. Yeah. I got my Churchill lawnmower going on right now as well. I do Great have stuff. a lawnmower can in my hand. There you go. So we're going to go back to that preseason game, but we're going to talk about when you first entered the game. The Riders gave everybody who walked in the door a $10 off food, drink, concession, uh, or Rider store card. So 10 bucks off. And the rumor is, and I think Steve, you tweeted about this was uh, that this is something that's probably going to happen throughout the season. It's not just a preseason game thing. Well, I don't have that part confirmed yet, but a couple people uh, said that they went to vendors and a vendor told them they couldn't get beer with it this game because they weren't set up for it yet, which made, made me think that it's something planned again for, games down the line when i don't know and it's not a guarantee but it makes it makes sense given that comment i think it's a great idea the more you can get people you know wanting to 
spend on concessions. Oh, all of a sudden, I mean, let's say you're taking a family of four. If everybody gets a $10 coupon, that's 40 bucks off. All of a sudden you're thinking you're probably going to have to spend 250 bucks on tickets and supper. All of a sudden that goes down to, you know, just 200 bucks. That's a lot easy of a, you know, a pill to swallow kind of thing. So, I mean, how many people are only going to use the $10 and well, get your, that's it. Right. Like you're probably going to end now, all of a sudden you're going to get another hamburger because it's only going to cost you 10 bucks or whatever. Right. Like I, it's, I, I dare it's anyone more. to go into the rider store and try to spend only $10. <laughs> Just try. Yeah. It's not the concessions. They're going to make that money back on. It's going to be the guys that walk into the rider store had no intentions of getting a hat. Well, I got 10 bucks off. Suddenly it's a $30 hat instead of a $40 hat or I'm going to get a Jersey. It's suddenly 10 bucks. Like that's 10, 15% off of every one of those items where they're already making an insane markup on them anyways. So $10 off isn't going to kill them. Yeah, you're going to have the occasional person who's going to go in and buy a pin or you know, a shot glass or something and, and get as close to their money's worth as they can. But, I mean, look at me. I don't buy beer at games anymore. It's too expensive. I'll tailgate, I'll have my few beers before, and then I'll go to the game. They gave me that $10 ticket. I went and got my free beer. Suddenly another beer, well, I'm getting two for two for 10 bucks. I'll grab another one. Well, now I'm getting three for 20 bucks, right? Like it's, it's, it's easy in your head to suddenly take that $10 off and spend a little bit more. And you mentioned $250 for um, a family of four. I mentioned in my article today on June 11th at the home opener, uh, they're giving away, not giving away, but they're selling four seats to the rider game uh, for families for $99. So you add that, if you get those $40 off coupons, you're looking at spending just over a hundred bucks for a family of four for a solid three hours of entertainment. That's a, that's a lot better than the 250 that they probably expected. You, know. you can't even take a family of four to the movies for that, actually, to be honest anymore. <laughs> Somebody responded to me that a family of four to a Pats game would be around 99 bucks. And I, I love, I love local hockey, but I mean, this is, this is professional football. You're getting similar value now. That's going to get families to go out. And the the team has done a garbage job over the last few years of giving families any reason to go to games. I mean, I'm a diehard. I can't afford to bring my family. It's way too much money. But with a $99 for four people deal, it's something to consider. Suddenly there's, you know, it's, it's within most people's budget for that excess spending money. Took the kids last year. We bought them two hats. Bought them two hats, uh, foam fingers, plus food, and that was easily like a two hundred dollar hit before before we left the game. And I think I had one beer. Like, yeah, like it's not cheap. And I've seen that's not including my season tickets. Yeah, it it adds up real fast. Well, I think we've seen over the last couple of years, and this is a whole CFL problem. This isn't just a, a Saskatchewan problem, but the league and this team specifically have marketed themselves away from the fans. They've priced fans out and you can't price people out anymore, especially when this is a gate driven league, you need to get them in the stands and then buying stuff of course, after that, but just get people in the stadium. And I know it's a lot easier to do in a place like Edmonton with what they're doing for their preseason game, their $15 tickets stand with Ukraine. I know that's, it's a little bit different, but, and you have a 55,000 seat stadium, you can afford to 
lower the price. I don't want to say devalue your product, but you can lower the prices and, and just get people in there. BC can do the same thing. And they've done a, a, quite a few things in BC with their new owner as well for this upcoming year. You're going to start seeing that trickling down to other teams as well. The riders, as much as they think that, oh yeah, it's, we're, we're the riders, we can charge a hundred bucks a ticket. Cool. It's not that way anymore. And you're going to start seeing that happen. They're going to find more and more things. Your individual game tickets probably aren't going to go down in price. You know, if you want to sit on the 55 yard line, of course, but to get those end zone seats, the corner seats or, or anything else, like you're going to start seeing that trickle down effect where they're going to have different payment plans or, or purchasing options. Like you're going to start seeing that. And it's about time because attendance everywhere has dwindled and that's a pro sports thing right now. Like unless you're the NHL and you only have a 17,000 seat stadium to fill attendance is dwindling everywhere because it's just easier to watch the game on TV. You don't have to pay as much money for food and all that kind of stuff. So good on the riders for actually doing something here to, uh, to attract families and a younger audience. Well, the Washington commanders, they're, they're building a new stadium and they're talking about like making it smaller. Like there's no, no team in the NFL now besides like Jerry Jones is making those giant stadiums. They they're talking about small stadiums because it's easier to get fans in the stadium than to put them in these big stadiums that you're not going to fill. So if you can keep it small and keep it affordable, the fans will come. Like, I don't know. Like I said, the smartest thing that the Atlanta Falcons ever did was like have that family friendly pricing because they sold a ton of stuff and people brought their fam- families and they, they, they make bank all the time. Yep. Four bucks for a hamburger, three for a hot dog or whatever it is. Their concessions are dirt cheap. And I think there's, there's a market obviously to have a, a Coney Island poutine for 15 bucks or, you know, uh, they have a progi stand now, a progi it's stand. Like so they're, they're, good. There's still going to be that market to have that kind of a specialty option at the game for food, but just a generic hot dog hamburger. You got to keep those things cheap. And, and wrong, have- I, I love the meter long hot dogs. I find our yard long dogs. It's, it's a hilarious. It's a good novelty, but yeah, you should be able to get a normal hot dog. And it shouldn't cost you any more than five bucks at a game. No. You never see anybody getting those three-foot hot dogs anymore. Everybody does it once. And I then did it once, again. and that was enough. Yeah, nobody does it again. It's not an enjoyable experience. <laughs> well, it is at the time, and then later you're like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> so good on the riders there for uh, giving out those $10 off coupons, and hopefully that's uh, something that, uh, again, I don't think it has to be an every game thing, but just, hey, if you show up at the game and they're like, hey, here's 10 bucks off the concession. Oh, great. Well, I wasn't going to get anything before, but now I'll absolutely buy, you know, 20, 30 bucks worth of stuff and only pay 10 or 20 bucks. So smart move for them for that. Uh, getting to on the field things here. want to talk about uh, the BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders from last week's preseason game. 21 points is what the, the uh, Stamps were up by in the fourth quarter. They bring a blitz and they take out quarterback Kevin Thompson, who ended up throwing a pick six on the play. Um, Kevin Thompson injured in that game, separated shoulder, I think it was, um, but he's out for a while. And that comes down to this, the code. And there is no, you know, the, the unwritten, book the book. unwritten rules of sports. God, I love yeah. these. And there is no book. We've looked for it before. There is no book called the code, but it's one of those gentlemen's, agreements the handshake agreements between coaches that hey it's the preseason we're not going to send a blitz especially with five minutes left in the game and my team up by three touchdowns 
but at the same time do you guys see like that's the way it should be or hey you're gonna face blitzes during the season all the time anyway i want to evaluate my guys coming off the edge or whatever because i need to see if these guys know how to blitz if they don't i might cut them and bring in somebody else so where do you guys stand on this one both no i i I literally see it both ways dickinson can can make the honest argument i want to see what my guys got fine but i can also see campbell going this is i almost swore this is this is preseason what the hell do you think you're doing and especially being up that much like i don't i i don't get what calgary was doing but i guess if you're evaluating evaluating players that you don't know that are on the bubble making this team. Yeah. You see what they got, but Campbell also has an equal argument going. It's preseason, man. Like what the hell? No one cares. You don't see blitzes like that in the preseason. You never see them. Teams don't prepare for them. And then to, to do it so late in the game, it, it feels like they were sending a message. And unfortunately that message, you know, cost, cost a quarterback, six plus games potentially i i'm with greg i i don't really care enough to get upset about it but i can also see why lions fans would be so mad like i get it but it's still a physical sport and he got hit and it was a legal hit it was a clean hit you know it'd be different if it was a dirty hit on top of a blitz but you're gonna get hit like that in a regular game you know, do we do we complain if this happens week three? Do we complain about the broken play that hurt Darian Duran twenty fourteen? Yeah, we still do actually. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it. I mean, this one it all comes down to situation. In a situation where you're up three scores in preseason, no, you shouldn't be sending that blitz. That's ridiculous. And this is where I kind of get to the point where I'm with. Um, it was uh, quarterback Michael O'Connor back up for, for the BC Lions. He's going to back up. Nathan Rourke said, we won't forget that. And oh, these, two teams, these two teams don't meet again until week 10. So if you're the BC Lions and it's week 10, are you sending, even if it's late in the game in a blowout or early, it doesn't really matter. Are you sending the heat to Bo Levi Mitchell? And are you hitting them hard? Maybe potentially after the play, is it worth it to you to take that 15-yard penalty? What's to, BC? Uh, what's BC going to care? They're going to be out of the playoffs by then anyway. But I, I mean, like, is, it, is that something that you would hold a grudge onto? Like, is like week ten? Like, if they played each other in week? Oh, one, that's bulletin board. Yeah, like I that. That that is that is. I guarantee you, that's circled somewhere on, on somewhere in the locker room to keep the team motivated during this season. Because that's what good coaches do. They find they find a grievance to fire up their players. It doesn't matter what it is. It, and But that's how you, you keep your team motivated. And I guarantee you, this is one of the things that Campbell's going to latch on to to keep the team motivated all year, especially up to that game. And that, that game, that week, they should be playing nothing but that clip in the locker room all game. You know, whatever it takes to get a guy riled up uh, ahead of a, a big matchup, you know, like Greg said, may not, may not be that big of a matchup depending on where BC is in the standings that late in the year, but... If if that's what it takes to get you get you going on a Sunday night, you might want to pick a different career, anyways. You know, but that's that's just me. That's the guy with no competitive, you know, bone in his body when it comes to sports. 
Yeah, we, we, we've seen the picture of you playing defense. I don't yeah, play defense. Uh, yeah, we know. We saw the picture. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I want to get to really quick is just uh, Antonio Pipkin cut by the Argos quarterback. Now he's with the BC Lions. Now with, uh, you know, Kevin Thompson being hurt. He got here. a raise. And he got, yeah. He got paid more to go to BC after getting cut. Good for him. Actually, situational, situational man. It's uh, it's all about timing. So good for him for for getting more, and uh, it means that Chad Kelly is the number two guy in Toronto. The uh, he'll be number one very, by week four. The very sought after. Oh, that's a bold prediction. The very sought after quarterback uh, out of uh, was he drafted by the Denver Broncos in the seventh round of the NFL draft, and everyone's making him to be out to be this great quarterback because of his uncle who is uh, Jim Kelly. And if you don't believe me, just ask Rod Black. Yeah. Rod Black is punching a wall right now. He's like, I could have said that. <laughs> uh, so it will be interesting to see if uh, anything happens to McLeod Bethel Thompson, if uh, Chad Kelly has what it takes in the CFL by all accounts from training camp, he's look good, but it's also training camp. So take that for what it's worth. Just, just I, wait I, till Rod Black calls a game with him and, uh, and against the Ty Cats, they'll go off about the the former receiver Luke Tasker. I I don't know. I I've got no faith in MBT anymore. I I think really? I, I don't. I don't. I I don't like him. I don't know. I just he yeah he he puts up some wins, but I don't I don't think he's a good. I I don't think he's that good a quarterback. Interesting. I don't know. That's why I said I think Kelly's going to take this. If not week four, by the end of the season, Chad Kelly's the starter. Because MBT will either get hurt or just lose it due to his play. He, he, what was that? <laughs> Sorry, I hit the mute button on my remote. <laughs> oh no, I, I got no faith in MBT as a quarterback. So, prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. Well, let's take a look at the uh, Riders and BC Lions this Friday night preseason finale, 8 p.m. on TSN. It's going to be our first look at the starters. The starters, uh, from the sounds of it, are going to get the full first half. Should they get that much? Yes. Because when you look at Winnipeg, they didn't play their starters at all either game. That's Good. a mistake. Really? You need, you need live live bullets uh, ahead of the season. Zach Caleros did not take any preseason. Well, nobody did last year, but also was missing a whole bunch of time in 2019. And came in, and what? Oh, what's he done since then? One, two great cops. Let's not throw logic at this argument. That's not fair. <laughs> and and Zach Caleros is a is a guy. I don't care if he's on a winning streak, a losing streak, or whatever. He should never play a preseason game with his injury history. Period. But I mean, there there's pros and cons to to sitting your guys. Yes, you're going into the season healthy, but you're going in with zero you know, game action, zero. There, there's a huge difference between that first game, those first few snaps and, and, uh, and training camp. They're just, they're completely different speeds. You know, that, that could mean all the difference week one. And, you know, we saw last week, last year in the West, one game made, made a ton of difference by the end of the season. Right. And one thing when, when if we want to talk about Winnipeg, that they probably should have played colors at some point, their offense had a lot, has made a lot of changes. So there's going to be some chemistry issues that he didn't have to worry about going from 2019 to 2021. That offense pretty much stayed the same for those two years, but now they're missing Harris. They're missing um, 
Lawler. Yes. Yeah, Lawler's yep. in Edmonton. Yeah, like so. Yeah, they're they're missing some key offensive and players. Darvin Adams as well. Yeah, Darvin Adams. Yes. So yeah, like they probably should have played Claros. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Winnipeg. Like I don't see them like being terrible, but I do expect some stumbling at the beginning of this season. I like the idea of playing your starters in the preseason. Maybe not for the full half. I would have them play the first quarter and maybe into the second quarter as well too. Um, but it sounds like it'll be for Jardo for the full first half and then uh, Dola Gala and fine at quarterback for the third and fourth quarters. Um, defense, for the most part, pretty much all the starters are going to be there. Um, no Moncrief and no AC Leonard, though. Uh, both uh, kind of took a knock to the head for their kind of in concussion protocol uh, from a hit that they took in uh, in training camp here. And AC Leonard apparently is battling a hand injury, but it sounds like if he had to play, he absolutely would. So it sounds like both of them will be ready for week one, which, I mean, those guys, they don't, they're vets. They don't really need the the reps here. I hope Charleston Hughes is on a pitch count, though. Like, I, I actually hope so, too. He's listed as the starter, and I hope he doesn't play much more than the first quarter. Because you got uh, you to you save his legs for later in the season. <laughs> so what are you guys looking for out of this game? Like, is it important that they that the offense rolls just with uh, now having Shaq and Duke for a full season with Cody Fajardo? Is it uh, the running backs to start try to figure out who's actually going to win that battle? What are you guys looking for in this game? I think the biggest thing for me is is seeing either Frankie Will uh, Frankie Williams Frankie Hickson or uh, Morrow take that running back spot uh, as their own because they both had a great first game. Uh, as the potential starter, I want to see one of them completely overshadow the other and and take that spot by force. Uh, I don't. I as much as the, it's fun to see a, a tandem, and you're seeing that in in football across the board. A lot of guys are going away from that one main starter. I still want to see that one guy that you you put your faith in for 20 carries a game. Right now, they got two that they they'd handed to. Well, it's a Jason Moss offense, so five times a game each. But you know. Oh, and that's it. Going to Jason Moss, I want to see Cody and Shaq have that uh, 2019 chemistry, not the 2021 chemistry. Um, and Duke is Duke. Like Cody just just throw it up in his vicinity and he'll find it. I'm not too worried about that. But I definitely want to see Shaq and Cody be on the same page again because I don't know what happened last season, but they definitely lost that loving feeling. I want to see the O-line hold up, the starting O-line. And that, to me, it doesn't matter which of the right tackles it is, whether it's Campbell, whether it's um, Nate Rogers. It doesn't matter to me. Obviously, Campbell probably for the ratio, but preseason ratio doesn't matter, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, I want to see the O-line hold up and give Fajardo time. I want to see growth out of this O-line this year from and the interior as well, Logan Furland, Dan Clark, Evan Johnson. So I'd like to see them, even just in a small sample size, just not allow any pressure on Cody Fajardo. I, I want to see, I'm curious on the defensive side, but I'm curious about our linebacking core. I said it's the, probably the best in the CFL, but how are you going to put out Sankey and Dean? And well, obviously not Moncrief or tights this game, but I, I want to see how these guys are going to co- coexist. Like what's your rotation? Is there a rotation? Like, how are you guys, how are you, how are you going to use them? Like, sounds like Sankey's been a beast in cap. I can't wait to see it. 
that that group of four players is exactly the situation that uh, that fifty one percent was built for. You get, you get tights playing just over half the game, rotating between the two, whoever whoever else is in there. But you got four bona fide all stars. Uh, be it would be nice to have that in place this year, but alas, that's a that's a twenty twenty three rule. But I agree with you. the The linebackers will be fun to watch. Now the Riders haven't won a preseason game since twenty fourteen. Who cares? That was, uh, against the Ottawa Red Blacks, I think it was, was the last time that they won a preseason game. That, yeah, the Red Blacks' first game ever. That was actually a Red Blacks home game. Yeah, at Taylor Field. Yeah. yeah. Well, one, you said you don't care. That was the Keith Hosting it... game, by the way. <laughs> sure was. I think it does matter. Not that I want them to win every single preseason game because I, I personally don't care. But I think just for the psyche of the team going forward, just to get a win there when the lights turn on, even if it's a non-competitive game, you're still competitive. So I kind of want to see them win just to buck the trend, I guess. What Whatever finish has been since 2014, I'm not concerned about it at all. Like we, we won the West in 2019. We, we were second last year. Like I'm not concerned about, preseason just all preseason is is get the kinks out who cares if you win or lose just don't get hurt and make sure you know what your team looks like i i'm very much of the opinion that i would love to see that streak last until my grandkids have kids just just for <laughs> pure entertainment value because people are shocked that we haven't won a preseason game since 2014 i told a few people out of the preseason game they're like no there's there's no way that's true yeah because we haven't cared about the actual score in a preseason game. It hasn't affected the season as a whole. I didn't even realize it again until the day of the game last week. Like, it's not something you think about. And come Saturday morning, not going to care. It'll be a streak for next year that we'll laugh about if they lose again. That's Nobody's going to care at the end of the year if we won, if we won a preseason game and didn't win the Grey Cup, or vice versa. I really don't see them losing to BC. I, I don't care if it's preseason or not. Like I dead serious when I think BC is going to be out of the playoffs by week ten. I don't think BC is a good team this year, but um, I could care less. We win or uh, if we lose to BC in the preseason, I don't care. We lose to BC during the regular season, I'm going to care. Well, Greg, just answer my next question: Will they break the curse on Friday and finally win a preseason game? I'm going to say yes. I, I think I'm going to say yes. I don't want them to, but I think they will. BC's not a good team. I'm sorry. They, I don't like what they did. Their quarterback situation is, it might, blows my mind. I, I get what they're attempting. I don't think Nathan Rourke is that good. Well, I think Antonio Pipkin will be their starter by, well, okay. what did you say for, uh, yeah, for Chad Kelly, week four? Week four, yeah. It's not going to be long. I don't, I, I get the Canadian you know, experiment. It's fun. It'll be interesting. And if it works great for Canadian football, but I think, I think Pipkin's the best of the bunch, which doesn't really say a whole hell of a lot. Dude literally got cut a week ago and he's going to be their starter by week four. (laughs) Probably. Well, again, that game's eight o'clock on uh, Friday night. I hate games out in BC. They always feel so late. I hate games BC because they end up being just the stupidest finishes. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, like the Luis Pasaglia lights out game. Yeah. Uh, the uh, what was the one where the Riders were up by like thirty points and lost it was in the fourth quarter? Like that game? Like oh my Spurgeon god! Spurgeon win. Yeah, Spurgeon win. Uh, Casey Printers out of nowhere. Paul McCallum. Like yeah. Oh, and I'll never <laughs> forgive Duncan O'Manny. I'll never forgive that guy. To hell with him. Hate that guy. <laughs> Duncan O'Manny. There's a name I've heard forever. Oh, you know you know how the. The older generation of Ryder fans feel about Tony Gabriel. That's yeah. me with Duncan O'Manny. Just a long, long-standing hatred for the man. Except Gabriel was actually good. Yeah. Duncan O'Manny sucked. He was terrible, except for two freaking kicks in his life. Yep. In the, in the 04 West final. Mm-hmm. Screw that guy. The same thing, well, same thing with Spurgeon wins. Spurgeon wins, like, claim to fame is just beating the Riders. That's... Yeah, costing the Riders a home playoff game in 2004. Yep. Hail Mary last second touchdown to G-Roy. Yep. Every backup Over. quarterback in their career, their claim to fame is beating the Riders. Hmm. They made stars out of Buck Pierce and uh, I think Lule as well, too. That's your trick to being a quarterback in the CFL. If you want to be a quarterback in the CFL, be a backup for BC and play the Riders. All of <laughs> a sudden, you're going to be a star. Here's a here, Speaking of court, backup quarterbacks, have we? I was thinking about this the other day. The Riders, I used to joke, the Riders were the places where the quarterbacks come and leave and get better. We have not had a quarterback develop behind our starter since Drew Willie. What are we doing? What like what is the Rider, What are we doing wrong? Like our starting quarterback, we stole from I guess BC. Well, we got him from BC eventually, but we're no longer bringing in quarterbacks that are lasting in this league. I think that's a big. It's a bigger problem than Saskatchewan. I think it's it's the fact that, truthfully, I don't think there's that many good quarterbacks anymore. Like, there's no real good quarterbacks. And the thing is, is I mean, you look in the NFL, if your quarterback isn't doing it for you within two years, you turf them and you just draft another one. They want results quick and they're not taking time to develop guys. And you're seeing that here in the CFL as well. Not to the same extent of the NFL, obviously, because they get the absolute elite talent in the NFL with the draft and whatnot. And you're looking for a certain type of player in the CFL more than you are in the NFL with, I mean, size doesn't matter for a quarterback. You look at a small quarterback, 5'10 in the CFL, that might suit him a little bit better anyway, right? So I think it's just an overlapping thing of the quarterback position as a whole. You have your absolute top tier of guys, and then there's a huge drop off to the next tier, and it goes down and down from there. So I just don't think there's that many great quarterbacks anymore. No, I, guess, I guess you're right. Cause I was thinking about like, cause it used to be like the backup would go become a starter somewhere else. And now like our buckle went to Ottawa, then he went to Edmonton and now he's fighting for a job. You've got uh, Mazzoli going to Ottawa from, cause Dane Evans usurped him, but all these other like backups are not developing and going somewhere else. They're just disappearing and never being heard from again. It's just something I thought of the other day. Like you don't see that anymore where the backups move somewhere else and also become a starter. It just doesn't happen anymore. No, that's uh, the last time that kind of really ever happened was uh, all the quarterbacks in Toronto during the Ricky Ray era in Toronto where they had Claros and uh, Mazzoli and, oh, who else? I mean, they also had Cody Fajardo there as well too. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing that anywhere else. Like that was the last, that and that might be the last time that we see when we look back at it and see a quarterback room, be like, holy cow, that room is stacked. We just won't see that anymore. 
like I like we had Kevin Glenn and <laughs> Henry Burst behind Elon Green at one point. It's like, what is going on here? And now, yeah, you know, like we had Tino, we had Drew Willie, Keith Price, like we had all these guys that just kind of showed up and left and didn't do anything after. Harker's not that, even Harker's not even in the league. He was our backup, and he's not even he's not even a third string somewhere. Not not even didn't do anything. Just like literally went nowhere after they left. Harker probably had the best chance with a training camp in BC, and he couldn't make the cut behind O'Connor and Rourke. And then, like you look at like James Franklin, he was like the next coming. It goes out to Toronto. Stinks it up, comes here, pandemic happens, and now is just gone. And don't get me wrong, he found a job outside of football. That's great, but still, like he went to Toronto and did nothing. Like he was supposed to be Edmonton's next big thing and went to a bigger market and did nothing with it. I'm I'm sorry, Alex. Is that a Savannah bananas hat? No, it that's is. a is that's no, that's a Saskatoon bananas hat. That's a Saskatoon bananas, yeah. Oh, oh, there's a Saskatoon bananas. No, the blades turn because their logo kind of oh, like right. They did that right. Yes, I'm wearing a hat with that literally has a bunch of bananas on it, and it says bananas. bananas. Yeah, because it's B A N A N A S. I love Gwen Stefani. I think that's where we should leave it right there. <laughs> I have to go listen to some no, no doubt right now. There's no better way to end a show than I love Gwen Stefani. <laughs> Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making their show possible. And uh, after this preseason game, we're on to the regular season next week, and I can't wait uh, for that. Full season. That's- full friggin' season. Yeah. Full, and everything's back to normal. So I'm looking forward to it next Saturday at Mosaic. It's going to be just an awesome time, and I can't wait for that. Whoa, we didn't talk about the incredibly shocking news that the Board of Governors ratified that deal. Oh, yeah, yeah they it. did. Yeah, they did. That's All right, thing. now we're good. That's Sorry. the thing that happened. Yeah. Yep. That was one of those things where it was like, okay, they offered the deal, it got ratified, and it was like, could you imagine <laughs> if they were just like, nah, just kidding? We've all been in that relationship. Go, go out with the guys. Okay, why'd you go out with the guys? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to see it just for the chaos. Bivol's Podcast is a proud member of the CFP and the Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Network, Saskatchewan Podcast Network. And uh, as we go here, just remember that uh, Kurt Angle said it best. Kurt, take it away. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. And I don't suck. And neither does the Piffles Podcast. But anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Circle.